I'm seeing a trend now that personality analysis online to determine how you fit a particular personality profile to fit into the organization will become a requirement. There's two ways to find a job. There's wait till somebody advertises for it and address it, or is to pursue the company that does it and throw yourself at their front door and say, Hey, you probably need somebody like me. You just don't know it yet. But so let me give my resume to that hiring manager, to that HR person. So again, two ways, wait till it comes to you or you go find it. That was Steve Young, executive recruiter extraordinaire, speaking about one of the trends he sees coming down the pike and providing some guidance on how to find a job. Job recruiters and job seekers is our topic on today's episode, episode number 56 of Looking Forward. Welcome to Looking Forward, where we speak with experts about marketplace and societal trends, and most importantly, how they might affect you. I'm Jeff Ostroff, the host of Looking Forward. If you're like me, you're fascinated by trends in the future. In fact, several years ago, that was one of the things I focused on in a book I wrote. Hi, everyone. Today, we're going to discuss the large and ever-changing world of executive recruiting and offer some tips you may need to help you find a good job. In part one of this two-part series, we covered such things as how an executive recruiter works, how that's changed over the past few decades, and what impact COVID-19 has had on the world of the recruiter and the job seeker. Our guest expert also provided a few tips on what your resume needs to do to attract the interest of an executive recruiter. In part two of this series, we'll speak about what the future might look like for job recruiters and job seekers, where the employment opportunities might lie, and we'll provide a lot more guidance to help you decide what job or career to pursue and how you can attract the attention of a recruiter. To help us learn about all this, we're again speaking with a highly seasoned and wise executive recruiter, Steve Young. Steve Young founded his executive search firm, Career Solution Resource, in 1986 and began working directly with manufacturing, distribution, agribusiness, and assorted other industries to find, qualify, and submit resumes to be considered for open positions all over North America. That is 35 years of finding and placing highly qualified talent with Fortune 500 companies. Steve is an active member of a private global recruiters network called the National Personnel Associates that allows certified search firms to work cooperatively. Over 500 global search firms share their positions and candidates with each other to collaborate and place candidates into open positions all over the globe. Steve reviews from 100 to 300 profiles and resumes of candidates a day for active positions he is trying to find talent for. As a distraction from that daily grind of searching for people, Steve has reached past recruiting and has accomplished a little in the entertainment industry as well. He is a professional voiceover artist, recording audiobooks, national commercials, and movie trailers. He is a film actor and has been in multiple music videos, one with Tim McGraw, television commercials, and was the lead actor in a Pureflix SAG feature film in 2019. 
Steve resides on his family farm in western Kentucky and sees his horses out his window working from his home office. Steve says, life is short. Always reach past your comfort zone and challenge yourself. Steve, trying to understand what you do in your industry. On occasion, I try to help people on LinkedIn find a job or a new career. Do executive recruiters tend to work? I know you mentioned the network, but do they tend to work exclusively? Like I'm working with this candidate. I don't want this candidate to be working with me and Joe and Sam too. He's got to be my candidate. Is that how it works? Kind of like in real estate again, where you sign this agreement and this is your realtor. How does that process work if somebody's looking for a job and they want to find an executive recruiter to work with? Well, first, let me let me explain. An executive recruiter, their client is the hiring company. Their product is the candidate. They are supplying their product, candidates they have found, qualified, recruited, packaged up, and supplied them to their client for consideration. I have access to over a million candidates. LinkedIn, Indeed, pick one. If I had 20 people send me their resume tomorrow, I mean, I'd be glad to try to help them. I probably would send them into my national network where other search firms could also see their resume as well, because they may have a position that fits them, even though I don't. Presently working on 10 positions now, I could easily work on 50, but I can't work on all those at one time. There's over 500 open positions in my network right now that are begging for people to fit. Wow. Okay. So working with one recruiter, you might think, oh, I really appreciate their help and I don't want to give my resume to somebody else. Don't do that. Share it with several recruiters. Uh, The recruiter has access to more jobs, more people than you can imagine. So you need to network yourself and not keep yourself in somebody's shoebox on their desk. You mentioned, Steve, you were giving some really good advice about these buzzwords. How does an individual who's in a particular industry, maybe, or maybe let's not even say an industry, they're working in a certain position. I know you talked about sales, but say they're in the back office in HR, whatever the position might be. How do they figure out the buzzwords? They seem to be so important. Well, it's kind of like when you write your own resume, you think, leave that out because oh, they don't want to know that. I'm sure they probably figure I know how to do that. So I'm not going to list that because I was told by some web page that I couldn't have over one page resume. <laughs> well, that's, that's, that's crap. I'm sorry, but you know, two pages is fine. I've seen three. I got a PhD that's got five pages and that's too long, but it's got all these publications on there. Yeah. So the buzzwords come from something that you do that is important as an example let's say that uh, you're a uh, quality engineer and you're utilizing a certain type of ISO 9000 standard, that's a buzzword. I'm looking for ISO 9000 because I'm looking for a quality engineer and that's something that they got to have. Let's say that they're working uh, for an automotive company and in that automotive company, they have all these these, uh, standards that they have to meet for quality control. Those standards should be mentioned. Let's say they use a certain software for their quality control that software should be listed. Let's say that you're, uh, uh, you know, again, I, I do a lot in engineering, so I can talk about that, but to most people, they won't understand those buzzwords unless they're in that industry. But uh, if you were a uh, director of a distribution company, okay, and you, your company distributed uh, 
boxes of this or that. It didn't make it as what it is. What type of, of system are you using to track all these boxes coming in? There's a name to it. Uh, what type of uh, sorters do you use? There's a name to it. You see where I'm going. So if I'm yes. looking for a, uh, I have a distribution company and they need a new general manager, by the way, I have a job like that right now. And they're looking for someone who has utilized a certain type of software that runs all of their automated scanning systems. I'm looking for that word for that name of that scanning system on a resume. Mm. And if I find that word, bang, I look at it really quick wow. and understand I read two, 300 resumes a day wow. really quick. Okay. I'm scanning. I'm looking for certain things just because they're a director of a distribution company doesn't mean they fit. Yes. They got to know this, 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 this. So those are those buzzwords that only you would know if you're doing that. If you were going to hire yourself for your job, what would you want them to know? What are those words? Put them in there. You brought up something else there that I think is very important I want to ask you about. I was talking to somebody recently who's in your field, and they said something to me that reminded me of voiceover auditions, which I know you also have done along with me. And they said, you get about five or six seconds. Is that true? That a person who sends you the resume, it's like, you'll know in about five or six seconds, or is that, do you think maybe an over-exaggeration? And that's probably an over-exaggeration. Uh, I mean, it, when I'm gleaning for a resume, I'm first looking at titles. Then I'm looking at industry. Then I'm looking at years you've been on, on those particular positions. Then I'm looking at education. So as I'm scanning a resume, I'm not really looking at the meat of it. I'm looking as think of it as the chapters or the chapters where I need them to be. Oh, well, that's, that's good. I'm going to learn more about this particular chapter. So if I took 10 minutes uh, to read a resume cover to cover, how many could I look at in a day? And if I'm on LinkedIn, I am looking at, I pulled up 300 profiles. Wow. And I'm looking real quickly at what their titles were and what the buzzwords were on the leader, not the resume. Wow. And if the, if the leader of it looks promising, the right industry, the right years, the right education, now I'm going to stop. I'm going to glean the resume. Whoop, that's not it. Next, next, next. Because I am looking through hundreds a day wow. for that person to fit the buzzwords, the profile, the geographics, the titles, the education. And then I drill down and maybe I'll try to talk to that person and contact them. Okay. <laughs> Yes. It sounds like A, tedious work, and B, that you deserve every penny you get when you find somebody. <laughs> yeah. I well, I wish I got paid every time I found somebody. Uh, that doesn't work. That's another story. Now we're going to start our process of looking forward. And one of the things we do when we look forward is we're looking into the future. I'm wondering, Steve, you kind of touched on this before. If you had to predict changes or trends that we would see over the next several years in the recruiting and talent acquisition space, what do you think they might be? Now, it's just a prediction. Doesn't mean you're going to be right, but you have as good a sense as anybody in your field, I would think, about where things are going, where they may go over the next, say, five years or so. What would you say, Steve? Well, let me dust off the crystal ball here. Uh, <laughs> Go right ahead. Would have anybody ever thought that what's going on now is going on now? So uh, the, as no. technology advances, 
They hadn't invented it yet, and they'll probably be using it next week. Okay, so I understand there's certain things that I don't know, but two things that I do see is that I had referenced this artificial intelligence or AI software. I think that will become a driving prominent force trying to eliminate uh, errors, uh, save time in finding people to fit roles. I also think, as I'm seeing a trend now, that personality analysis online to determine how you fit a particular personality profile to fit into the organization will become a requirement. Part of your hiring process would be not just a drug test and a physical, but it's going to be an online two hour or 30 minute or whatever it is test that gives your hiring manager a profile of who you really are behind that face or behind that piece of paper. So will you fit into my organization? Or are you going to be the crazy that I'm thinking, why did I hire this person? You want to know that up front. And so I see that as becoming a valid part of the hiring process and, and will increase going forward. And people are already using it now. I've had, it, I guess, five candidates this year has already been involved in some type of online personality test. It's not a pass or fail. It's, you know, where do you fit? And you have to be a psychologist, to figure this out, which I'm not. So I, I see... Uh, the technical side continuing to ex- accelerate and, and that being more of a valid part of the hiring process, the personality side being more of a valid part of the process. And I also see, again, positions becoming permanently remote that wouldn't have even been considered five years ago. Yes, good points, all of them. Just to come back to you on that, There seems to be a little bit of a dichotomy here, and help me if I'm wrong with this. On the one hand, you spoke about a trend that you and I are both seeing, Steve. You've talked about millennials in this respect, millennial recruiter. They're hardly having any contact with the people that they are recruiting. They may not even talk to these people, and they send them over to the client, the prospective employer. But on the other hand, you're talking about a little bit more in-depth analysis of the person by the employer. So does that make sense? Did I get that right? So on the one hand, the recruiter, him or herself, between the AI and not using a phone anymore to talk to somebody, even though Zoom is out there, they're just going to offload, so to speak, or refer these people on and let the employer do all the heavy lifting. Is that kind of where it's going? Combination thereof. A lot of times it depends upon the particular position. A lot of these really, really high tech roles, and there's a bunch of them out there, obviously, require specialized skills and and personality really isn't part of it. It's your technical ability to perform the function. So those particular roles wouldn't be as important as, let's say, a salesperson who's going to be selling something to the general public, right? Right. Uh, or to selling something to uh, an OEM manufacturer that's, you know, they're supplying whatever. They've got to go see the purchasing manager there. They have to have more of a uh, stronger personality than a person sitting behind a desk writing code. Okay. So it depends upon the position, depends upon uh, the requirements of that position. I think the the millennial approach isn't necessarily wrong. It's just different than the way we had done it before. Okay. And we have to somehow find a way to, uh, as, as a old school guy, 
uh, not to be upset because somebody doesn't want to talk to me. As long as I get the information, it's okay. I have to accept that. So does the employer. As the 30-something-year-old HR person is dealing with a 30-something-year-old recruiter, they're used to just texting. They're not used to talking. So yeah. it's no big deal. I mean, yeah. why would I want to waste time talking to you on the phone? You know, so <laughs> that's fine. <laughs> it's, it's, so as we evolve and, and as things become more of a normalcy in our world, uh, and old school guys like me that, you know, I want to talk to you on the telephone isn't a requirement anymore and it won't be, I have to accept that. And because that's just the, that's the evolution of not only just in hiring, but in communication and relationships with people, you know, two people sitting across the room from each other, Facebooking each other, and they're not talking to each other. They're, they're on their phones. Right. Well, right. is that going to go away? <laughs> yeah, probably not. Is that going to well, change? I don't yeah. know. Well put. At the same time, we do have access to these great technologies. And I'm thinking, Steve, video. You and I are on video. People won't see us afterwards, but we're on video. So we got Zoom. We got all these other platforms that people can see one another. Will they play a bigger role in the recruitment process? Because, again, the millennials may not want to talk to anybody. So is it the employers that are going to be using those tools? Is that where they'll be used? In the last year, I probably had over 50 Zoom interviews take place between employer and candidate. Uh, that saves a lot of time in the air, a lot of costs, a lot of you know things like this. So yes, the technology, whether it's Google or Zoom, pick one, uh, it will become a normalcy. Uh, and they still get to see the person. They still get to talk to the person. Uh, and you know, obviously, if you're dress nice and you present yourself well. I mean, you know, you look like Brad Pitt, so I'd hire you in a minute, right? <laughs> Don't tell people, anybody, but you look like Brad Pitt. People, you'll never know that. Yeah, I, I'm telling you, you're a handsome dude. But anyway, so that technology is going to continue and continue to evolve. You know, instead of having to do it on your, on your desktop, you'd be doing it on your uh, you know, on your little wristband watch here, that's got uh, zoom on it. Cause you also got internet on your wristwatch. So you can zoom interview, you know, sitting there wherever you want to sit. So that technology again, is part of all the changes and partly brought on or forced on by COVID, which made us sit at home and still do business the best way we can. Yes. Again, very well stated and right on point. Now we're coming to the other aspect of looking forward, Steve. Looking forward in this sense means I'm looking forward to something, which usually means I'm looking forward to something good, not bad. And when we think about looking forward on this podcast, it's about opportunities. And I don't have to tell you because you are at the linchpin of so many things here in terms of how many people have lost their jobs because of COVID? How many people are looking to change their jobs, whether it's because of COVID or not? Students who are in college trying to figure out, what do I do in this rapidly changing world? And of course, you yourself and others that you've come into contact with, I'm sure investors and entrepreneurs, all looking for opportunities. What opportunities do you see, not necessarily just for people in the recruitment industry, although you can certainly comment on that if you see opportunities there, but also in the job world and maybe even as an entrepreneur, where do you see opportunities, Steve? Everywhere. <laughs> now there's an optimist. Uh, I say that, I guess, cautiously in that, you know, 
I want to grow up and operate a hot dog stand in downtown New York. Well, I may become a millionaire because I got the best hot dogs ever, ever made in downtown New York. I think that, that as technology continues to push all these positions to space, so to speak, space being also obviously an opportunity because we'll probably decide we're going to, Hey, let's go to Mars next week. I hadn't been there for a month. And so that's kind of <laughs> whether it's, you know, it healthcare, you name it. There, there is so many opportunities out there. My advice for anybody that's whether it's in college or trying to change vocations, they've done it for a hundred years. They're sick of it. They want to do something else. So just follow your passion because your passion doing what you love will make you happy. You know, your W2 won't be on your tombstone. <laughs> it's, it is truly enjoying your life that counts. And if you can love what you do, you'll never work a day in your life. Yes. Follow that passion, whatever that burning desire is. I always wanted to whatever, and don't listen to the people who tell you, you can't do it because they're just afraid. If you do, then they'll feel bad because they never try. Right. <laughs> All right. So my, my advice is that you're good at something. Lord gave you some talents and it may be designing something. It may be selling something. It may be talking into a microphone. It may be standing in front of a movie camera. It may be making hot dogs, whatever that is. You be the best at whatever that is. And you push yourself and don't listen to the people who say you can't do it. Find a way, pay the price, do the work. You will love what you do and you will find a way to make a living doing it. That's my advice. Excellent advice. I want to add to that, Steve, something I heard maybe a year or two ago, might've been on a podcast. And I thought this was such brilliant guidance because people often say, yeah, but how do I find my passion? How do I know what my passion is? And this person said, it was true for me. I don't know if it was true for you, but this person said, think about what you did when you were a kid that you were good at and other people probably weren't as good at it. And you took it for granted that you were good at it and you just sort of wrote it off. Well, isn't everybody good at that? So I would say to go along with what you said, Steve, your wise words, I would just say, people, if you're trying to figure out what your passion is, if you think about what you love to do when you were a kid and you weren't getting paid for it, and you might've been just a little bit better than other people, and maybe you were even told that, go for it, as Steve said, go for it. Excellent. Steve, last two things I wanna ask you before we get to how our listeners can find out more about you. You had mentioned, and I forget the words you, well, I actually I do remember now the words you, you said something about Jeff, there are X number of jobs that right now I know we're begging for people for those jobs. We're begging to fill those jobs. How do people find out about jobs that are going begging? How do they find that out? There could be somebody out there right now who could be a perfect candidate for you and your client. How would they ever know? We're trying to find somebody who does this. There's two ways to find a job. There's wait till somebody advertises for it and address it, or is to pursue the company that does it and throw yourself at their front door and say, Hey, you probably need somebody like me. You just don't know it yet. But so let me give my resume to that hiring manager, to that HR person. So again, two ways, wait till it comes to you or you go find it. And I strongly suggest that if you are, have a burning passion to work for a, uh, IT, if you want to work for, uh, uh, zoom, you want to work for, uh, somebody's building a new space shuttle. It's going to go to space next week. 
then you need to be sending your resume directly to that company, to the HR department and saying, Hey, here's what I do. Give me an opportunity. Don't wait for them to advertise because then it's called competition. Why would you want to get in line with everybody else when you can be at the front of the line? Don't wait till it's advertised. Pursue it, pursue it, pursue it. Yes, you can use recruiters. Recruiters don't have all the positions and we don't make them. We just find people for them. Okay. Outstanding, Steve. There are a lot of these sites out there that purport to list jobs, and I'm sure they do list jobs. I'm thinking of LinkedIn will certainly post jobs. Indeed will post jobs. How important are they to people looking to find a job and how do they determine whether they should favor this one or that one versus another one, or should they just check them all out and get emails from every one of them? <laughs> you know, there's no definitive answer to your question. Uh, of course, you want to send your resume to any job posting you think that sounds interesting that you may like, uh, that it fits you and be realistic. If, you know, if I've never uh, designed something and I send my resume to it for a design position, you know, you're wasting somebody's time and your time because it's not going to work. I think that to, answer, to, to truthfully answer your question, it would be to uh, find a, a way to look for positions and at the same time, work with recruiters if they call you to have your LinkedIn profile updated as best possible, uh, to look at all the, the websites, and there's thousands of them out there with positions, but you can't get yourself in a situation where I've submitted my resume to a hundred places and not gotten one response. So I'm going to go jump off the cliff. Well, of those hundred positions, you might've been number 200 to send your resume in. And there's a stack a foot deep on some HR person's desk or some recruiter's desk somewhere. He never got to you because you're number 200. Okay. So you cannot take that personal. Oh, I'm not worthy because nobody, no, <laughs> it's a numbers game. It is a numbers game. And so it's, it's, it's kind of like an actuary in an insurance company. They know pretty much when you're going to die and when, when they're going to have to pay it. Okay. So it's, it's a numbers game. That is a matter of how many resumes you send out, but send targeted resumes, right? cover letters that are pertinent to that particular position, not a generic cover letter that goes all over the place for the, for different positions, specifically address that job and what it is they want, how you have done this and how you could do that for them. And so that cover letter is very specifically targeted to your resume, which is somewhat generic. It's the same one all the time. And if you will do that systematically, uh, and be open-minded and not feel and not take it personal when a company does not hire you because companies are looking for very, very specific perimeters. If you're not a 95% fit, they won't talk to you. I'm just telling you, because I got people who have done it for years, the same thing that this company wants them to do now, but they have not done it with the same material, or they don't have that buzzword, or they don't have that particular degree. Or maybe they're in Rhode Island and the positions in California and they're not going to pay for your reload all the way to California. So they're not going to talk to you. Doesn't mean that you're not worthy. It just means you don't fit their profile. Do not take that personal. If nothing else, take it as a challenge and say, I'll show you because I'm going to work for your competition. And you go find that competition and you send your resume directly to the HR person. They may not even be advertising, but they'll have it on file. In other words, who's controlling the situation? You of the world. Take control of your life and your working direction, what it is you want to do, 
and you will find results. I love it, Steve. Great advice, great information, and it's obvious why you have been successful, and it's obvious that you've been able to endure what probably have been at times maybe some leaner years because you have learned to have the kind of attitude that you just spoke about. You don't take things that don't work out personally, and you try to maintain the control of what's going on in your life. And I just love it. I love this information you've shared. Can you please let our listeners know how they can find out more about Steve Young, what you do, and how to reach you? Well, I have a LinkedIn profile, and that's the best way to reach me. And trust me, if I want to find you, I that's what I do for a living. I find people. I'll find you. You don't have to find me. I'll find you. So if you wanted to send me something, uh, a company looking for a recruiter, uh, get my LinkedIn profile has, and I have a website. It's, it's listed on my LinkedIn profile. You're welcome to go there and look at my website. But again, I don't throw myself out there because I, I don't need a thousand people send me the resume because I can't help a thousand people. Uh, but what I can do is uh, I don't mind giving some help or direction to somebody who really needs it. But I appreciate the opportunity to talk with you. Hopefully, I said something that'll help somebody. Hopefully, I've somehow inspired somebody to reach out past their comfort zone and go for that job that they didn't think that they could get or they deserved, but they just haven't uh, tried hard enough, and they quit just before it happened. So if there's some way that I have uh, inspired someone, then I'm blessed. Well, thank you, Steve. And I think inspiration is a good word to describe quite a few of the things you said. I know I feel inspired by it in part because you say so passionately. And I know you talked about passion early on here. I want to thank you again for being my guest expert on Looking Forward. And I wish you nothing but continued success and good health, my friend. Thanks, sir. Same to you. Thank you. This concludes part two of our two-part series on job recruiting and job seeking with our executive recruiting guest expert, Steve Young. If you missed part one of this series, you can find it on our hosting site, Red Circle, or on the podcast hosting site you use. Thanks for listening to this episode of Looking Forward. I hope you've enjoyed it and learned something. I also hope that you'll tell others about our show. If you have any comments or ideas for future episodes, please contact me at my website, jeff-ostroff.com. That's J-E-F-F-Ostroff-O-S-T-R-O-F-F dot com. This is Jeff Ostroff inviting you to join us again next time on Looking Forward.